the friends to another episode of we on the table and i'm your host tanya burke and today we have another wonderful sister friend nichelle henderson nichelle is a higher education expert and she is running for the los angeles community college district and she's here to to talk to us today about her campaign and her race for that seat that we know she's going to get. Nichelle is also a wonderful member of the illustrious DST. I guess I'll give y'all a skew. So let's see what Nichelle has to say about her campaign and what we can do to help her win. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome to another episode of We On The Table. And today we have, I, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about this woman, uh, Nichelle Henderson. This woman is, you know, I've been coined as the political badass, but, you know, I think Nichelle should be coined as the political badass because she has been doing some fabulous things out there in this community, uh, trying to make things happen for the betterment of all communities, okay? And, you know, I... You guys heard her, her long list of accolades and the things that she's done, you know, throughout her life for the betterment of education, you know, uh, on all levels, K through 12 and higher education. So I can't tell you anything more. I'm telling you this woman, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to say a little something. Uh, I'm going to put Michelle on the spot for a little bit here. Um. She is a member of Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated. And when I say member, this girl is die hard. She always try to show up and show out. So today, because I knew she was going to be on the show, I was like, I got to represent. So I got on my nail. Okay. I got on my <laughs> nail. And I had to represent, put my pink and green glasses on for her today. So <laughs> with that being said, <laughs> So, Nichelle, you have taken taken on the task, taken it to task of running for the Los Angeles Community College District. And you have decided, you said, you know what, it's time for change. And you are, you know, you're up against an incumbent. Am I correct? Correct. Um, that's been in this seat for a long time. And and 
not only you feel it's time for change, but a lot of other people throughout the community feel it's a time for change as well. And 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 I am pretty sure the voters, you know, in, in the district you're running feel that it is a time for change. And so I am so glad that you are here today to talk about your campaign and talk about you know how you came to be here and so people will know that you're just not any ordinary candidate you know uh this is an ordinary this is not an ordinary candidate you all when i tell you michelle has been groomed for this position and for a time as we are in right now um you know i, I can't tell you guys this i mean you have you have gone through the training that you need to go through. Like you went through the Emerge training. You went through LA County Federation Labor Civic Leadership Academy. And you you also went through the Los Angeles African-American Women's Public Policy Institute. Okay, y'all, let me tell you, I served in politics. I'm a former um, city council member. And the average person that's running for office don't have this kind of background. Not even in the higher up positions, you know, the, your congressmen and your senators. So Nichelle is the real deal and she's a full package. She has the experience. She has the background. So Nichelle, can you tell us like what it is that, that, that burning desire that made you say, hey, I need to get in this race and, and I'm in this for the long haul? Um, several things. Um, first of all, the LA Community College Board educates more black students than the CSU and the UC systems combined. Wow. With nine campuses, the LA Community College District is probably the largest community college district in the world. Wow. And there is no black voice on its governing board. There hasn't been a black representative on this board since 2018 when Assemblywoman Sydney Comlogger Dove served on the board last. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a travesty, you know. Um, across education, you know, we were dealing with threats to public education from underfunding and um, threats of privatization. And we really need to think critically and think honestly about how systemic racism and cultural bias play a role in that. And to have the largest community college district in probably the world not have a black representative um, is, is absolutely ludicrous in 2020. And so that is um, part and parcel as to why I'm running. Um, and just as a, in a humanistic way, um, I really want to be able to use my experience as an educator. Um, you know, I'm the mother of black people. I'm a former middle school teacher. I want people to go to college. And I understand that a four-year university is not for everyone, but the community co colleges offer an opportunity for a low cost workforce preparation, as well as uh, transfer to a, a four-year university, a CSU or a UC. And, and the community colleges in, in California are really the feeders to our four-year institutions. And you, know, and you know, Tanya, the key to economic empowerment is a good job and or an education. And you get those through the community college system. And so I want to be a conduit, especially to black students and other students of color, marginalized students, 
um, to in, inform and educate them in, um, on the opportunities available at the LACCD, but also to get them there, keep them there, and have them complete their, their um, academic goals. Okay. And that's that's terrific because you hit right on the marks of where we're often often missing the marks in our education system, especially higher education. And so we're just going to go ahead and, you know, we're going, as my grandma said, we're going to speak this to existence and we're going to say that you, you know, will win this seat and you're going to be sworn in. And so what are your goals as the next person that's serving on this board? Um, I have a number of goals, but um, three in particular is to increase outreach accountability with the district. Um, what most people aren't aware of is this is this district, the board members run a budget of, of in the billions with a B. And, um, and right now in COVID, you know, we're seeing the impacts of a lack of equity and a lack of access in education, you know, from our students and our faculty not having equipment that they need to participate um, in, in virtual teaching and learning. Um, what I really want to do, my goals are to have the campus and district level be more accountable for outreach and recruitment of students, especially African American students and other marginalized students. Our students. Um, seeking reentry, our foster care youth, especially those that have aged out of foster care mm -hmm. and don't have um, a support system. You know, they need to be able to be economically sound, and and they no, need a low cost way to, to do that. Um, the other thing is in higher ed across the board, um, a lot of our adjuncts and part time faculty in higher ed is are people of color. And they're hired into positions that very rarely um, afford the opportunity to become tenure or full time, which means longevity. And, and it's been a proven fact that when students see teachers, when they see administrators, and especially board members that look like them, they tend to perform better. Mm -hmm. The other thing is when you have part-time faculty, their positions are often very vicarious. They're teaching maybe one or two courses. And they're not always there for students every semester. Or if they are there fall in the spring semester of one year, they're not there maybe the fall or the spring the following year. And, and very often our faculty members are the are our first line of defense to our students and provide that support. You know, in the CSU, we call it cultural taxation, where you have a, a very small number of, of um, minority faculty, say African-American faculty, and all of the students gravitate towards those faculty members for support and they don't get extra compensation they don't get uh release time to, to to support these students and you know and it's it's taxing on them because it's an addition to their workload they do it because they love it but it's a taxation to them and and finally i really want to see diversity in this district you know, we talk about needing African-American faculty and other faculty of color and, um, and you know, represent LGBT faculty and the like. But if outreach practices, if, if promotional practices, if hiring practices don't allow for that and there's no accountability for hiring, we'll never have it. So those are some of the things that I would like to see happen in the L.A. Community College District, to see the, the programs and initiatives that have funding behind them 
show some accountability. Okay. And that's very important. The accountability piece, especially, is very important. Um, and I think oftentimes that's that has been a big issue because those those things have fallen by the wayside. And uh, and that's and that's why a lot of um, our students, as you mentioned, students of colors and particularly black students, you know, have fallen through the cracks in a lot of our, you know, our educational system, especially higher education. So that's very important. And so I know oftentimes we think about when individuals come in and they're going to serve. And like I said, we're saying, we're already saying that Michelle is the one, we know she is the one for this role. And we always look at, okay, what's the plan? What plans do you have for to implement? What are you gonna start on with your first 100 days in office, your first 90 to 100 days? I, you know, as, as a, a, a politician, that's what everybody wants to know. What do you do in your first 100 days that you, you, you come into your position? First 100 days, I meet with uh, district and campus administrators and, um, and work groups, faculty members, students, staff, and really, really get a feel for what their specific needs are to make sure that we are addressing them with some of these programs and initiatives that we put funding behind. You know, very often we create... Um, we come up with programs and initiatives to help people and we don't ask them what it is that they want or what it is that they need. So first and foremost, to, to introduce myself and to make sure that I do that. Um, and I believe in shared governance. You know, shared governance is to allow everybody a, an opportunity to voice their concerns, ask questions, be informed, um, to bring everyone to the decision-making table. Um, which, which shared governance is not, is a guarantee that your thought, your, your concern will be the priority in the ultimate decision making. But I do believe um, very firmly in bringing people to the table and, and making sure that everyone comes to the table feeling valued, feeling respected, and leaving the table knowing that they've been heard. So in the first 90 to 100 days, that is my goal, to meet with stakeholders and really get a feel for what their needs and their wants are. And, to, you know, just really literally to know, do they, do they feel empowered? Do they feel that their needs are being met with uh, the systems that have put, been put in place thus far? I think that's very important. And um, oftentimes that's, that's a piece that's forgotten. Uh, people get in the office, uh, they say one thing when they're running, and then they get in there, and then the priorities shift, and then, and then they forget, one, the people who put them in office, and then two, they forget that there's a team of people that's going to make them successful in this role, and it sounds like you have a plan to make sure that that's addressed once you get into office, so that's terrific, and then you also mentioned that um, the you know, having a, a, a relationship and establishing a, a great partnership with the staff, you know, uh, I believe that, that that's a great thing that you're, you're doing and that's going in the right direction. And you, and you have a wealth of experience. Can you talk a little bit about how you have, you know, supported, you know, staff in terms of in higher education in the past that will assure the voters that 
you will be able to do this once you get into this role? My educational background and my background with work, I am a former middle school teacher. Um, I started my career 20 years ago as a TA in LA Unified, and I'm currently a faculty member at Cal State LA, uh, where I work in a counseling program. Um, so I teach teachers. And, and, and I've always been active in the union. And I currently am a member of the California Faculty Association, where I uh, am currently serving as my chapter vice president. And I've been, for the past six years, uh, part of our faculty rights team in our chapter. And with faculty rights, we represent our bargaining unit members, faculty, counselors, librarians, and coaches when they file or respond to um, contractual grievances, for instance. Um, they have an entitlement of a certain number of courses every semester, and for some reason they don't get them, or, um, you know, any, any type of thing, issues with uh, their department administration, other faculty members, anything. Um, and also with Title IX complaints of discrimination and harassment. So I have a, um, a, along that 20 years that I've been in education, this is what I've done. I have protected the rights of faculty members and teachers. Um, when I was a teacher in Compton Unified, I was my, my type of union steward. So I represented my um, fellow teachers in issues that they might have with each other or with administration. Um, you know, most dear to my heart, uh, currently I'm a member of my union statewide bargaining. So right now we're in, in contract negotiations. Um, our contract actually ended on June 30th. And so we had just started um, negotiations in Feb January. And so when COVID hit, we had to postpone it. So we had to request um, an extension of our contract so that we could get figure out how we would be able to continue to meet during COVID. So I have that experience um, of not just protecting faculty, but understanding um, how contracts work and understanding how labor unions work. And so my decision-making will always be through the lens of keeping students' interests first, but also protecting stakeholders. I will not get on this board and forget that I was once you know, or currently a faculty member. Um, and even working with staff just to build those relationships so that people understand that you, you understand, you want to know what is important to them and make decisions accordingly. You know, again, with shared governance, everybody doesn't always get what they want when they want it. But you, you walk out of a situation when that at least your, your wants and your needs were considered in the decision-making process. And, um, and what I want the faculty and the staff of LACCD to know is that I am that person. I bring that skill set and that capacity to do that. I think that's great. I think it's great to be able to come to the table with that experience and also have the perspectives of being able to see both sides. Um, and that's rare. That's very rare uh, when you have this type of governance to see someone that has the wealth of experience and one, being an educator, because oftentimes we see individuals who sit on these boards and they, they, they don't have a lick of experience with education and you have uh, had experience in seeing, you know, what that's like, not just, you know, on the higher education side, but also 
you know, in middle school and seeing what it takes for to make sure that that pipeline is ready for the students to, to get there. So I think that's very important. That's a very important piece and having also being served as an educator in terms of higher education. So, you know, firsthand, you know what it is to be able like, you know, the mechanics of this is what's needed for educators and what they need in order to be able to affect effectively teach you know individuals that are in our community and effectively and not only have you taught you're teaching teachers <laughs> you know so i mean i don't know how you know like how anyone could come with something you know where they're more well-rounded than you are in terms of that area Thank and you. having that experience um and then you also you talked about having the experience of working in labor. You know, uh, I am a big uh, proponent of labor, and I think you know I think it's very uh, important to have someone at the table uh, who knows and understands the rights of individuals who will, who who are working for them, and because. People, a lot of times, these, you know, these entities don't understand that the, 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 the instructors are the pipeline to the students. And if the instructors are not well taken care of, have the things that they need in order to, you know, teach, then that affects our students. So I believe that you're coming with, like I said, a wealth of, of experience and knowledge that's going to be of benefit for this board. And I think it's going to be a new experience on this board because I, you know, in my experience and, and, and with, with this particular um, Los Angeles Community College District, I don't think I've seen anyone. I mean, it's been some dynamic people to sit on the board, but I don't think I've seen anyone that that has what you have. I mean, the, the, your arsenal, your, your tool box that you're coming to the table with. So, I, you know, I think that's great. And I think they'll, they'll be great in having you. And, you know, earlier I mentioned, you know, I mentioned a few uh, political, you know, elite <laughs> political and public policy programs that you have gone through and I mean it you know it's lucky enough that a person can even go to one of those programs but for you to, to have had access and to have gone through and completed three of them um, I mean can you talk a little bit about how important that is like what do you feel that that's an asset um, for you as a candidate and a potential, um, you know, board member and in, in going into, you know, working on the community college district? Oh, definitely. Um, so I went through um, the Emerge California program in 2015. Um, it was actually the first Southern California cohort that Emerge hosted. And um, it was a tremendous experience, you know, um, you know, in addition to participating in the knowledge that you bring, it's it's the network 
that you become a part of, but it's um, in terms of Emerge and Law Pi, it, it's a sisterhood that you join. And you know, being a member of a Greek letter organization, that sisterhood is, is it's invaluable, right? Um, the Civic Leadership Academy, it was specifically designed to train union members to run for office to avoid the need to find a union-friendly candidate that was running, you support a union person. Um, I went before the Community Federation of Labor, you know, and they tell you when you go through the class that um, your endorsement by the LA Fed is not uh, guaranteed, right? So um, the incumbent in this seat is um, heavily backed by labor, usually. And we went to the county Fed two weeks ago for endorsements before their COPE committee, and I was able to block the vote. You know, you want to come out of it with the vote. Um, a threshold of 60% of the vote is required. I got 57. So that I felt really good about that because it meant that the training that I've gone through, um, my experience, um, it's, it's valid. It, it validated a lot of, you know, my reasons for running for this office. But it also showed that labor understands labor. Mm -hmm. And um, with Law Pi, you know, Law Pi is an African-American women's training program. So that was, that was, you know, it was beautiful for me. It was, it was akin to being, you know, with um, my Greek, my Delta Sarars and my Greek sister friends. And, you know, because a lot of us are part of Law Pi. And, but the training was invaluable, the, the understanding of L.A. politics specifically and um, getting to know a lot of the, the women that I've seen in different spaces and places and really putting faces to names and really having an opportunity to get to know these people and build relationships moving forward has been invaluable. Um, I would suggest to anyone uh, considering a run for office to consider Emerge. Um, black women also consider law pie. Um, what, like I said, what you get in terms of the political training and public policy insight is invaluable, but the connections, the sisterhood. Um, I will say as a black woman running for office, Tanya, you are very well aware, it's more than a notion. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a different level of running for office. You know, when um, the incumbent in my seat had the endorsements that I currently have, he was deemed the presumptive winner in his race. And I have these endorsements as a black woman. I'm still being asked to prove myself. Mm. And, you know, not only am I an educator, but I'm, I'm active in the labor union. You know, I have receipts for what I've done, mm. and I'm still asked to prove myself. And it's offensive. But of course I do it because I want this seat and, and my passion for education drives me. So, you know, I highly recommend um, getting into a training program. Like if you're a union person, talk to your labor union and, and join the next county, the Civic Leadership Academy class. Um, women consider Emerge and Law Pi because the training also prepared me to deal with running as a woman of color. And um, it, that in itself was worth all of the time and energy. And I'm so glad that you said that. You know, I uh, had the experience of being able to go through the Emerge program as well. I believe 2013 uh, 
was it 2013, 2012? I, you know, these days I, I, I forget. But, um, you know, when I went through, there wasn't a, a Southern California cohort. We traveled back and forth from Southern California to Northern California. It was four of us. Uh, and I believe the Southern California cohort came right after us. And so uh, you're right. Uh, that, that training prepares you. I know it, it did the same thing for me. And especially as running as a black woman and you bring up some terrific points about uh, the, the need to provide additional proof, you know, when you have individuals who, you know, especially as black women, you have individuals who are not black women who don't have to show receipts, who don't, you know, they don't even have to be checked. They're not even vetted <laughs> and, and, and they're out there and you know, uh, and they're able to get the support just because, you know, just because I look a certain way and I come from a certain, um, you know, ethnic background or, or not, you know, so uh, it's important that you mention that in terms of Black women and running for office, because those are some of the things that keep Black women. For, from running for office. And so I know that, you know, even though you attended these trainings and you and, and that's another, you know, whole line of defense, I believe, in terms of why you are the best candidate for this position, you also, you know, you're heavily participating in community activities, you know, in community organizations. You mentioned Law Pi, but you, you have gone the distance and you're a part of their pack. Am I correct? Correct. Correct. I'm currently the first VP of um, Law Pack, which is the political action arm of um, Law Pi. Um, I'm actually coming to the end of my term as um, first VP. Um, as first VP, I uh, chair the issues committees and the political involvement committee. So um, I'm responsible for interviewing candidates that are running for elected office to inter to find black women running and make sure that they come before law PAC for consideration and possible endorsement of their candidacy, which I am in the midst of doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you're just a woman of wearing many, many hats, many, many hats. And you, you, you are doing it well, you know, like you mentioned, you, we mentioned earlier, you're a member of Delta Sigma Theta and, you know, you have been involved, uh, you know, actively involved in, in, in your sorority. And, um, and for those who don't understand, you know, when it comes to African-American, you know, Greek letter organization, it's not about cake parties. It's not about, you know, it's truly about service you know, and can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you've done in these different community organizations that you've been a part of that uh, that you feel has, you know, given you additional experience and, and, and opportunities to serve well within this, this position? Oh, definitely. Um, my membership in Delta Sigma Theta alone has just been, you know, huge in terms of um, my experience with community organizing and participation. Um, I've been a member of Century City Alumni Chapter, and um, with them, I worked on the um, their political involvement committee, where we registered uh, high school students um, in LA 
to vote. As you know, now um, high school students can start to, to pre-register as early as 15 and a half, mm -hmm. and they can actually register to vote um, every, during the election at 17, as long as they'll be 18 by election day. And um, that's really important because a lot of parents aren't aware of that. And, you know, the students definitely aren't aware of that. And, you know, students need people to get them to where they need to go. And if nobody is aware of what, of, of that, um, and, and there's a ballot measure, and I cannot re remember which one on the ballot to, um, to give 17-year-olds the right to vote so that they don't just pre-register at 17, waiting to turn 18, they can actually vote. I know for myself, my birthday is in November. So I registered to vote when I turned 18, but there was no um, election. So the first time I got to vote, vote was when I turned 19 the next year. So, and you know, my dad was just adamant, you know, we need to get you registered to vote. As, the, as soon as I, you know, I was old enough to do it, he took me down to make sure that I did it. But, you know, some parents, they just don't know when. And you assume because you need to be 18 to vote that that's when you register. So, um, you know, that, that and bringing my experience as an educator and knowing that there are just, you know, family dynamics. So often in education, you know, talking about the cultural bias and the systemic racism, we judge students harshly because of their economic circumstances. And parents, we do the best that we can. You know, I'm the, I'm the mother of, um, of adult people right now. My youngest child will be 26 years old next month. And um, he's a proud graduate. You know, one of the other things I think is really important as black folks, that we encourage our children to attend HBCUs. Um, I did not because the major that I wanted to pursue wasn't offered at any of the schools that I was interested in. But my son is a graduate of Fisk University. He's got a degree in mathematics. He's, out, he's an alpha, um, pledged, you know, while he was undergrad. It, it's just really important to me that black students, that they know that, especially with Greek letter organizations, that we're more than keg parties and step shows, mm -hmm. that, um, that our value goes beyond that. And to be a part of that is to be a part, is to be in greater part and, and, and service in your community, not just with the organization that you're a part of. And you know, so my, my participation and, and other groups around the city that do voter registration, I participate on a lot of local and uh, statewide campaigns. Now, um, I've been, I've been uh, postcarding for Christy Smith in um, Congressional District 25 to try to send um, contact voters in swing states to make sure that she gets it. Um, Holly Mitchell running for uh, supervisor in my district, in District 2, um, you know, really, really intent on getting her elected. It's just so important to me. You know, Tanya, I want to say to you, you know, we met during my time in emergency, but there were just so many people that asked me all the time, do you know Tanya Burke? And, and I almost felt embarrassed that I hadn't met you. And when we met, finally, you know, it was, it was tremendous for me. I mean, you really are a badass. And you are one of the many black women, you know, holding public office that inspired me to do it. Because when you, talk, when you share your story, and even, you know, the, the shenanigans when you were on the Sheriff City Council, and I look at you and how you persevere, and, you know, it's, 
it, it gives me life, you know, and it, 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 it's the encouragement that I need. So, you know, this past week dealing with, you know, campaign things and just really wanting to just throw in the towel. And I sit and I think about all of the women that went before me and, you know, the, and just remind myself that they didn't give up. And it's always darkest before the dawn. And, um, you know, and, and just for, so for me, my community activism, my, my involvement with a sorority and, and other political organizations, it all ties back to my passion for education, letting people know what is going on, that whether it impacts them directly or not, but to educate people so that they make informed decisions regardless if it's at the, at the ballot box or in their home, to make informed decisions is just so vitally important, especially for people of color, because we tend to get the propaganda versus the facts. And we need to be able to weed through the minutia of everybody's thoughts of what we should think and do versus what we should definitely think and do. Mm-hmm. So that's well, really I think that's so important. Um, And I thank you uh, for, you know, those kind and wonderful words. And and like yourself, you know, we do it without thinking. We we just go out there and our mission is to improve lives and for the better. And and we don't think about the ramifications that come along with us going out there and do that, doing that. And I really appreciate you being open and candid about your experiences as a black woman and going out there and running and, and, and these were, cause it's difficult. People don't, you know, a lot of people don't understand how difficult it is difficult anyway, but carrying also carrying, you know, that badge of honor that, you, you know, being a black woman, it comes with a, a different type of fight. Uh, when you are running for office. So I greatly appreciate you saying that because I think a lot of the black women who are watching this, who's going to watch the show, they need to hear that. They need to hear that, yes, it's tough, but yes, it can be done. And yes, you can be successful at doing whatever it is that you, you feel that you need to do to uplift your community. And um, another thing that you mentioned was about, you know, uh, registering these young folks to vote while they're still in high school and, you know, 15 and a half. I think that's terrific. And the reason why I think that's going to be a great effort in the part that you all are doing through Delta Sigma Theta and beyond, I think it's so important because oftentimes what I found is young folks that we have registered, they're the ones who end up being the only ones registered in the household and then they end up getting their parents, you you know, or other adults registered to vote who hadn't been registered ever. And so I think that you guys are bridging that, um, bridging that generational gap uh, between, uh, you know, family members and them being more civically engaged and not just their children, because all the time children bring their parents on, bring family members right on along and, and come and educate them. So that's another 
great effort that you're you're a part of. And I mean, it's like the list keeps going on and on and on, Michelle. And I thought I had it all. <laughs> you know, I thought I, I thought I had it all. I was like, oh, I know all about Michelle. But it's like, oh my goodness, she keeps amazing me. And then going to what she said about you know your own child going off to an HBCU. You know, uh, my husband and I, we just sent our youngest off, our youngest Jalen off to uh, Langston University in Oklahoma. She, you know, she, I I wanted to go to an HBCU. I didn't go to an HBCU. I just wasn't there enough to just make that leap and leave California. And she, you know, she did. And, I, you know, I'm glad that she did make that choice so she can have that experience. But it is a wonderful experience. For especially for our African American students to be able to, you know, especially those who are in California, to be able to have, you know, that experience and and, and embracing their culture while they're attending school. And with that being said, are you thinking about creating any type of programming, creating any type of uh, relationships with the different HBCUs so that those students who are in the Los Angeles Community College District, so they can have greater access, greater information, greater knowledge, greater access and understand and know this is also an option, not just the CSUs and the UCs. And those are great options as well. But just for them to know, hey, there's HBCs, HBCUs out there that one have, you know, access to scholarships and things that I might not have here in, you know, in California. And two, some of them have some of the most, you know, top rated programs in the nation. Um, and especially when it comes to STEM. Mm -hmm. So are you thinking about Possibly that's something that you you might be interested in in working on while you're in office. Oh, definitely. Currently, you know, like I said a little earlier, a lot of people are just not aware of the this board has put forth so many programs and initiatives and funding behind. So my role on the board will really be more of an accountability um, person. There, they are working or creating a pipeline. Um, so the so LACCD has a program for Black students called Emoja, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they have it um, at most of the campuses. It's not functioning at a lot of the campuses because they have so few um, Black students. But through Emoja, they practice, they promote um, that pipeline to HBCUs. And what's beautiful about it is there's funding behind it. Okay. The challenge that I see again is that accountability piece, where the there's funding, but they don't they don't support the faculty and the staff that work in these programs to really do the outreach that they need to the students, mm -hmm. and even to to the current students or even their high school students that would come through the community college to tell them, say, hey, you know. Fisk, um, Spelman, Morehouse, these are great colleges, and you can go through here and, you know, be able to complete your, your program here in the community college and transfer on with some assistance and some support. And a lot of students really aren't aware, and that bothers me. That really bothers me, because as an educator, I'm about teaching people 
and informing people to empower people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, education is, is not just in the classroom. You know, we educate our kids when we take them to the grocery store and help them count up the number of items that we're purchasing. You know, calculating the tax for our for our groceries and little things that we can do as parents. And and when I was graduating from high school, you know, I'll, I'll say my age. I graduated from high school in 1986, and um, my father wanted me to apply to USC because he had always hoped that I would. Um, go to USC. He even opened a bank account for me at the Bank of America on Jefferson behind <laughs> USC. Um, and he wanted me to go to Howard. Oh, okay. My, my major at the, at the time was not available at Howard and, or Hampton. And there was only one school, well, two in California that had my major, and they were both CSU. So he wanted me to um, go to USC, and I applied to USC. I was I was accepted into the university, and I was accepted into school. So um, I wanted my major to be architectural engineering. I was an architectural engineering major, and um, USC didn't have architectural engineering; they had architecture. So I was accepted into the school of architecture. I didn't want to be an architect, so that's not where I went. And my father was just absolutely devastated and probably didn't want to talk to me as much as he did my first year of college. But if, if, one, if a black um, institution had had my major, I would have been there. Fear and all about being away from my parents and the weather and what have you. And, and when my son went to fifth, it was such a tremendous experience for him just to be so literally immersed in, in our culture and, and meet black people that were just loving and understanding and supportive. It, it, was, it, was, it was a blessing for me because my baby was 1,500 miles away from home and I knew that he was okay. But it was a blessing for him because it was a, this was a very small school. In fact, um, when he, his freshman class was the largest freshman class that they'd ever had in the history of the school. Mm. It was about 200 students. So his freshman class sent the student population from about 300 to 500. And that's still a small school with 500 students. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was just a beautiful experience for him. So as a board member, I will definitely be working with the Emoja program and, and other programs to make sure that we are accountable and intentional about how we outreach to our black students and encourage them to to specifically consider HBCUs. That's Definitely. great. And and the key words you use, you know, accountable and intentional. Uh, you know, because oftentimes, sometimes, we, you know, we see these programs and 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 it, it's about as far as it goes is, you know, when there is a a, you know, black college fair in the, you know, that's coming to the area. Here, you know, we post a flyer up on the board or, you know, we might send an email about it, but that's the extent of what you tend to see when it comes to, you know, um, informing students so they can make an informed choice in, in knowing that, hey, this is another option for me. It might be a better option for me. So uh, um, good to know that that that's another thing on your another check <laughs> on the the checklist you know and you have so many of them like you know 
I will say, you know, as I, I said earlier, you know, I know you have seen the work that you've been doing in the community. And, and I don't just say this because I know you. And you also know that I can know people and, I, you, you know, you can be my best friend. You can be my mama and you may not get my support. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You might not get my vote, you know, because if, if, if you're not right for the job, then you're not right for the job. But I am uh, truly, truly, truly inspired by you and the work that you have done, you know, and you're continuing to do. And I don't say this half-heartedly. I don't say this, you know, like I'm passing out bubble gum on Halloween night. Um, you truly, you truly, um, you are like the perfect candidate. Like you are the perfect individual. Like if I think of someone I would want to see representing my interests, you know, in my community, on a community college, you know, in the community college dish, you are it. I mean, I, I, I can't say that enough. You are it. And, you know, you, just your experience, your education, and your compassion, I, I, I really, I, I, I can't see there being another candidate that, you know, is able to embody what it is that you're going to bring to this board. And I keep saying you're going to bring to this board because I'm, I'm truly claiming that you're going to win this race. So, yes. And so can you share with the people, you talked about endorsements earlier and we all know endorsements are important. And um, so what endorsements have you received? You know, um, those important endorsements that you have received, you know, during this, your campaign. Uh, well, uh, I have the endorsement. Well, I'll start off with the endorsements that have kind of become dear to my heart. Um, I like to consider myself a person that respects um, diversity. You know, I talk a lot of them on a campaign about diversity, equity, and access. Mm -hmm. And so many people talk about it, but they don't understand what it means to be diverse. You know, they don't understand what it means to be equitable and, to, and for people to have access. So I've been endorsed by Chirilla, which is Californians for Humane Immigrant Rights. Mm -hmm. I've been endorsed by the Filipino American Democratic Club. Mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been endorsed by the... Um, Korean American Democratic Club. I've also been recommended for um, by the um, Democrats for Israel Democratic Club. I have been endorsed by the Stonewall Democratic Club, the Young Stonewall Democratic Club, Miracle Mile Democratic Club, um, uh, the San Fernando Young Dems Democratic Club, Los Angeles Young Dems Democratic Club. Um, and I, and most importantly, to Democrats across LA County, as I just received the endorsement of the LA County Democratic Party. Um, I've been endorsed by Senator Holly Mitchell, uh, Assemblywoman Sydney Comlogger Dove, who I stated a little while ago was the last Black voice on the LA Community College Board. Um, Assemblyman Mike Gibson has endorsed my campaign. My own Assembly person, Al Marasucci has endorsed my campaign. I have a number of um, 
candidates on from the water board, Harold Williams from West Basin, Scott Houston from West Basin, um, Thomas Wong from San Gabriel Water District, uh, a number of um, local and statewide officials. Um, uh, former senator and now LA City Councilman-elect Kevin DeLeon, uh, Tony Vasquez, our, the president of the Board of Equalization for my area, District 3. So, um, you know, I've been working, I've been working and, and I'm hoping that people realize, you know, I'm not just a black woman running for office. I am a black woman with great some experience. I'm a black woman with a true, sincere passion for making things better. You know, uh, a number of candidates, you know, for instance, there's one um, non-black candidate that talks about this plan that she has for black students. And I remember as a young girl, you know, Maxine Waters was first elected to the uh, California State Assembly. I think I was about 12 or 13 years old. And, um, and I've been paying attention to politics since I was eight because my dad is just a, you know, political wonk. And I remember black leaders in LA going to the then predominantly white leadership, you know, across LA and saying, we need black leadership. When will we have black leadership? And white leaders saying to us, you don't need a black person. We have a plan. And so this person triggers me. And so, you know, and I make it a point to say, any plan for black students, for black faculty and black staff in the LA Community College District that ignores their pleas for a physical representation on that board are not only tone deaf, but they are disingenuous and offensive. Mm. So I'm very intentional about that. I'm very intentional about calling out the racism that I've seen and experienced while I'm campaigning because I want to be there for these students. I don't want a position, you know, the title. I want the work. And I've also been, been endorsed by both the faculty and the staff guild for the LA Community College Board. And five of the six board members have endorsed me three of whom I'm running as a slate with. So I'm, you know, I feel very honored that um, people recognize what I bring to the table and see me as a viable, valuable candidate. So that has been really huge for me. Um, but, you know, and it's funny, Tanya, we talk about as black women that we always have to go over and above and proving ourselves. I never think about what I do something needs to be done, I do it. Mm -hmm. um, something that I'm interested in, I do it. I do it. And it wasn't until I, I was in the midst of this campaign and I started writing my bio and then going to endorsement interviews and having to talk about me. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I've been busy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, but I remember I brought up Maxine Waters when I was 12, I remember telling my dad that we were, it was probably about October or so in the year, you know, before the, or May, before the, uh, the election. And, you know, 12, 13, I didn't realize that you needed to be 18 to vote, right? And so I remember telling my dad he was getting ready to leave for work to go. And I said, okay, you know, we are going to vote so that we can vote for Miss Maxine. 
And my dad said, well, no, I'm going to go vote. You can't vote. And I said, well, no, no, you can take me to school after we vote. Don't worry about that. We need to get Maxine Waters elected. And my dad laughed. And so, of course, he had to break it to me that I couldn't vote because I wasn't 18. But that stuck with me, you know. And I, and I remember telling my dad, I want to be her when I vote. Mm. I want to be Maxine Waters. I want to be that person that is is looked up to, that is considered, you know, a powerhouse, a badass. Mm. I want to be that. And you know, so you know, she those are big shoes to try to fill. But um, but you know, I aspire to greatness. And and you are great. You you are great. You are there. You have arrived, as they say. Um, and it and it clearly shows with the number and the level of endorsements that you have received because you have received endorsements from, from entities and individuals who don't just hand them out like I said, like bubble gum on um you know M and M's on a uh, Halloween night. They just they just don't. They they vet the people in whom they choose to endorse. And so for you to receive and and like you mentioned, um, you your endorsements and being as diverse as they are, that says that says a lot. That just that says a lot about you and who you are and that these people entrust in you to be able to do the job. Because when you know, people don't understand an endorsement means their name is on you. You know, and, and your name is on them. So, uh, and, and people are not going to take a risk if they feel that someone is just not going to represent them well. And so, uh, congratulations. Yes, congratulations on that. And I noticed that, you know, there was one endorsement that you missed, and I think it's the most important endorsement that you, you have, and that's, um, you know, Gardena City Councilman... Uh, <laughs> Mark, Dr. Mark Henderson. Yes, he's, he's on my endorsement list. He's definitely on my endorsement list. He was one of my first endorsers. Yes, yes I believe yes. so. I believe so. So I think you 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 missed one. Just, just yeah, one probably the most important. <laughs> yes, the most important. Yes, and for those of you who don't know, and it was mentioned earlier that uh, Dr. Mark Henderson Council um, and uh, Dr. Mark Henderson is Michelle's husband. And so you see you have a dynamic, powerful couple that's moving and shaking and doing great things in the community. And that's important. That's important. And so you know you have you have his support and and I know he loves you so because <laughs> his Facebook says it all. <laughs> But, you know, I have, you know, I know we, we're in this whole, uh, you know, there has been a shift in everything with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I know that uh, the leaders of, of, of the Los Angeles Community College District have had to shift and quickly shift in their thought process and how do we serve our students and serve them well. Um, you know, throughout this pandemic. And I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that we are going, you know, 
people don't like to say new normal, but it's safe to say that, you know, we're kind of be going to be in this for a little while. Uh, what plans do you have, if any, um, that you want to see implemented with the board in terms of how things are, 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 are being done in terms of being able to serve students and staff and faculty because this is affecting staff and faculty as well and how they're able to teach the students. Uh, what is it that you think that you can add to the discussion and, and bring to the table in terms of how, how the district, you know, gets through the whole COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, um, in response to a lot of the the um, technological issues that the district has had, you know, many people assume that it. You know, in, the, in LACCD, I'm sure as most community colleges, probably eighty percent of the students identify as low income. Mm -hmm. um, you know, close to forty percent or so are housing insecure or unhoused. So the idea of going from a face-to-face -face learning environment to a virtual learning environment is literally a hindrance for them. You know, many of our students rely on the campus to get their internet access, or they're relying on McDonald's or Starbucks to be able to complete their assignments, and now they're forced to work at home. And so the district um, provided laptops for students, as well as faculty and staff, to be able to work remotely. Um, but LACCD educates just under a quarter million students annually. And you know that even with a budget in the billion, there's no way you can sustain every semester giving out devices. Mm. So um, what I would like to work with them to do is to find sustainable ways to support students and, and teachers and faculty. Um, purchase the laptop, but also have digital textbooks and materials so students are able to work offline, submit their work online, so there's not a continued need for the technology, like the internet access. You know, there have been discussions about the district possibly purchasing hotspots for students and paying for the service or purchasing the hotspots and some of the um, providers provide 30 days or 60 days access, right? But the district can't really sustain that because even if they were to be able to purchase hotspots for $10 a month, you can't pay $10 a month for a quarter million people. Yes. So there has to be some sustainable way to support students and make sure that they're able to complete their academic and workforce preparation goal. And so I am really excited about working with this district to try to find some of those, um, some of those options to get us through. Because right now we have students that, weren't, that didn't return to campuses for the fall semester because they didn't have internet access. And, you know, having been a college student, the, the difference a semester makes, you know, the difference of, between taking 12 units and 15 units in the time it takes for you to finish or transfer out is, is it makes a huge difference. And so, you know, and it, and it most severely impacts our black students and our brown students. And, you know, it, it breaks my heart 
But, you know, we have to find some sustainable ways to make sure that they're able to function and, and meet their goals that doesn't break the bank, you know, working on some community partnerships and maybe have some homeowners that are willing to let students borrow their Wi-Fi, you know, talk to the people, of, you know, can, can this student hit a your Wi-Fi from this time to this time every day? You know, little things like that. We need to come together as a community and and really help out because, you know, we're talking budget cuts. The governor just um, presented his budget, and it and it called initially for a 10% cut across the board for, for municipalities as well as education. And we know K-14 education is already severely underfunded. So it's so many, it's so much need and so little money because the programs aren't the issue. We can come up with programs all day. It's the funding and it's, it's the, it's the sustainability of what we fund. And, and you know, and you're right. The sustainability, you can, you can have so many bright and great ideas. And if you don't have the money to implement them, I know that, you know, as a, a former city councilman, I know that if you do not have the money to, to, to you know, fund that brainchild, you know, you can start it, but it will die the next year. So you're right. Um, uh, maintaining, because it's going to be important. It's going to be important for the students. And I'm glad you did mention that a difference a semester makes um, if, if someone couldn't come back because of those needs weren't being met and they had to miss a semester and hopefully not to, but that could be possible too. Um, that that can be devastating to someone's, you know, education and career, you know, goals and moving forward. So um, I think that, again, I'm going to say that uh, the Los Angeles Community College District is going to be blessed to have you on their board they're going to be, um, you're very innovative and you're going to bring a, uh, a fresh new perspective that's needed. And um, how, if there's anyone out there that wants to be a part of your campaign, support your campaign, uh, promote your campaign, like anything about your campaign, what is it? that they can do to support you and how can they reach you? Oh my gosh. Probably the, the easiest thing to do to support my campaign is to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend. Um, my website is nichellehenderson.org. Um, the link to donate, the link to actually to sign up um, to be, be an endorser of my campaign as well as to volunteer. Um, I live in the city of Gardena. So I'll be doing, most of my field will be centered around Gardena and uh, unincorporated area of L.A. where I grew up. And the rest will be a mail program, you know. And um, word of mouth is what's going to help me win this election. Um, right now, including the incumbent in this race, I believe there are seven or eight other candidates. Um, you know, I've, you know. I, I, I refuse to be deterred by the number of candidates in this race. I'm not deterred by the incumbent, so I won't be deterred by any other challenges. But, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's really important to set myself apart from the pack. 
And I do that by word of mouth. And so literally telling a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, following me on social media, I have a Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, um, Henderson, um, LACCD, on all three. And um, just, you know, share information that I post, um, you know, get it engaged, ask some questions, come to an event, just, you know, um, this is a grassroots campaign. Um, I've raised uh, just under total, um, just under $60,000 in a pandemic. Um, with right now, I think I'm at about 220, 230 individual contributors to my campaign, which I think is, you know, pretty good considering what we're dealing with right now. Um, nowhere near meeting my, my overall fundraising goal. But that will not deter me either because my faith is greater than a mustard seed. But just to get community support and um, and 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 to, to let people know how important this particular race is and how vitally important it is to have a black voice on this board. You know, we talk about having seats at the table, and Shirley Chisholm told us if you, you don't have a seat at the table. You know, bring a folding chair, and if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Um, I've got my folding chair, and mm -hmm. I refuse to be on the menu. Girl, you you ain't even got no folding chair. You don't even need no folding chair. You can sit right on the table, okay? You can sit right on the table. That That's what you can do. Bam, right there. I built this table, and I'm going to sit on the table. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one last question for you. Okay. Or actually, not a question. If someone, let's say another young lady, another, especially another African-American woman is sitting here and they're watching you and they're like, oh my goodness, she's dynamic. What is one advice that you can give to them about doing some of the same things that you have done, encouraging them uh, and letting them know what, what, what's the one, that one important piece of advice you can give them. If you feel it in your heart, do it. Pray on it. Gotta tell you that if you feel it in your heart, do it. Tell somebody, put it out in the universe and mm -hmm. so that the universe in turn holds you accountable. Just mm -hmm. do it. Y'all heard it. She said, just do it. And she ain't talking about them Jordans. She ain't talking about the Nike. She said, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> do it. That is great. That is great. And in terms of your uh, donations, do you have any, are there any restrictions or funding limits in this race? Praise God, no. <laughs> there are <laughs> no contribution limits in my campaign right now. So, um, yes. So if you can write that million-dollar check, I will accept it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it, folks. You heard it here exclusive. <laughs> if you got that million dollar check, write it for Michelle Henderson. Yes, okay? please, and thank you in advance. Yes, please, and thank you in advance. <laughs> and you can find all her information. What? Give them your website again, Michelle. 
NichelleHenderson.org. Simple, NichelleHenderson.org. So let me tell y'all, sister friends out there, please, you now you didn't hire Nichelle, Nichelle gave it to you more than once. She gave it to you once, then she gave it to you twice. Do not be DMing me at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning saying, hey, can you hook me up with Nichelle's information? Okay, then I'll be like, girl, did you pay attention all the way through? Okay, so make sure <laughs> that those of you who are in her district, that you spread the word. Because remember, she said that the most important thing that you could do is spread the word. If you are in her district, make sure you vote for her. Okay, that's this number This is an L.A. County-wide district. So okay, so it's county-wide. L.A. County can mm -hmm. vote in this race. As long as your city doesn't have its own community college, you can vote in this race. Okay, you heard that. So y'all get to voting, okay? So I'll, make sure, I'll make sure that my kids do because they're in L.A. County and they fall within that area. So make sure that you vote. And then next, if you're not even if you're not even in the district, spread the word to those who you know who are in the area and district to vote for Michelle. Okay. And then lastly, uh, do what I'm going to do today and donate to her campaign. Okay. So three things, vote, tell a friend, tell your mama, tell your daddy, tell them all, you know, and then also donate. All right. So all contributions are appreciated. They get me to my goal. That's right. And there's no amount that's too small. Exactly. There's no amount that's too small because it all goes to help. Uh, and, it, and it contributes to Nichelle being able to win this race. Campaigns are very expensive and they take, they require funding. And so any type of assistance that you can give to Nichelle will greatly be appreciated and it will help in the cause in getting her elected onto to, to the board. And I, and like I've already said, I already just see her. On, on the board. I just have already claimed it. So I, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and call her, uh, you know, madam. And, and then I'm going to call her president because she's going to end up being the president. When she get in, she's going to end up being the president. So she's madam president. Okay. So, <laughs> so it has been wonderful and talking to you, Michelle. Uh, like I said, you are dynamic. You are the right person for this position. This position was carved out for you, if like none other. You know, I will continue to pray for you. I'm going to pray for your family. I'm praying for the people who you serve and the people who in which who you're going to serve once you get into this position. Because there is going to be a lot that you will have to take on in this role because of all that's going on across you know, not just here in California, but across the nation and across the world, you know, globally, we're seeing these changes. But you are the right one to be able to come in on this board and serve and make sure that these things happen and get taken care of. So congratulations in, in advance. Congratulations for running and, you know, and taking the charge and doing that. But I'm going to congratulate you in advance. Um, and, and you went in this position and I wish you well and, um, you know, 
all of these things you are doing as a uh, as a wife, as a mother, and and as a grandma, um, and <laughs> you know, and so you know, I I wish you well, and I and and I truly believe that you are um, you are an inspiration to many, and 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 we appreciate you and we thank you. Thank you so much, Tanya, for the opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. You know, I love talking to you. Any opportunity that I get, thank you so much. You're very welcome. All right, you guys, you heard it. You heard. We we you see, we have the 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 next, you know, member of the Los Angeles uh, Community College District here, Nichelle Henderson. She is running, but we are already claiming it. And 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 also, you know, we we talked about ways to support her to my prayer warriors get your pray on for Nichelle. um we know that prayers get answered so we're asking you to pray for her and and also so she can remain safe during this this the, the remainder of her campaign so thank you again Nichelle, and to all of you out there to our sister friends thank you for joining us for another episode of we on the table and we'll see you soon